Welcome to the Community Conversation, brought to you by Prototype Training Systems, home of CrossFit Prototype. The Community Conversation highlights a different member of the Prototype community each week and allows them to tell their story, share their life experience, and communicate their perspective on all things fitness. We've all listened to podcasts and watched YouTube videos that highlight some of the world's greatest leaders and visionaries that share their knowledge and expertise in some capacity. Community Conversation allows you to get to know some of the amazing people at Prototype. After all, we all have our own unique stories and purpose to why we are pursuing a better version of ourselves. So turn up the volume and listen up. Your new episode starts right now. All right, everyone. So for today's community conversation, we don't have any guests. There's no one special. It's just me. I'm going to be talking to you. I'm going to be sharing my story and, you know, kind of where I have come from, you know, from the inception of prototype to my journey in various businesses to why I got into the fitness space, how I got into the fitness space. And uh, I try to be as detailed, but keep it as concise as possible. So I'm not talking your ear off for hours and hours. So I hope you enjoy this episode. And uh, I really appreciate you tuning in. And this episode is starting right now. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I always contemplated what I was going to do when I grew up. Like, what did I want to be? Where did I want to live? I imagined the type of house I wanted to have, car I wanted to drive, all those things I thought about as a kid. One thing I always thought about and what I really wanted was to be successful. I wanted people to be proud of me. Uh, I wanted to help people in some way. I wanted to do something I was passionate about. But at the end of the day, I literally had no idea. I never was a long-term planner. I was always a fly-by-the-seat-of-my-pants type of kid, maybe type of guy, too. And uh, I remember my mom used to say I was a great bullshitter. Sorry for all the kids listening to this. Uh, I don't know if I still am or not, but I know that I have a little story to share, and I appreciate you all listening today. So uh, my journey of where I was to where I am today really starts back in high school. I think we all have these experiences or defining moments that change our path and life and and while this wasn't a massive amount or a series of events, it certainly put me on this path. Um, it's no secret that as a kid, I was overweight, or as my little league coach, baseball coach would call me, husky. Uh, it's not that I was lazy or anything. I just really liked to eat. I love playing outside with friends, being competitive, winning. Uh, and I also was a terrible loser, probably still am, actually. Uh, but my story isn't about being a little overweight as a kid because I changed that path around fifth grade. Believe it or not, I used to absolutely hate exercise, running specifically. It's still one of my biggest weaknesses, but I'm well aware of it. Uh, but around fifth grade, I wanted to play football. I was playing soccer and made the switch. Uh, and it was uh, when I was in fifth grade as a kid, you know, I was playing third string defensive end against kids who seemed like monsters to me because they were two to three years older than me. Remember, in Pop Warner, or maybe it's back then, I don't know if they're changing or not, the, the teams were based on, on weight class. So I was a heavier, younger, new player on the team, filled with older kids. I think I wanted to play because my cousin was playing, but we didn't end up on the same team. You know, go figure, right? <laughs> I, uh, I remember absolutely hating football practice. The running the sprints, the heat in the summer, the laps, uh, it was miserable. I cried, begged and pleaded every day not to go to practice. Thinking back... I had some serious anxiety and fear, not around like playing or getting hurt. It was the fear of being uncomfortable, the fear of not knowing if the coach is going to make us run. I literally wanted to run and hide. And, you know, I found myself doing this at times around baseball as well, Little League, 
when I knew the other team had a pitcher who could throw really fast. I wouldn't want to go to those games. It scared the crap out of me. But uh, every day, my mom and dad made me go to those practices. No matter how much I cried and whined, they told me if I made a commitment that I had to go. And again, looking back at it, they may have just wanted me out of the house. <laughs> so, uh, so I finished out the season. Uh, I actually lost a lot of weight, and I got a heck of a lot faster, more athletic. And uh, this is the first time I really got outside my comfort zone and stuck with that uncomfortability. Um, after all, uh, I still ended up quitting football and going back to soccer. I wanted to, uh, you know, I wanted to score goals. And it was nice to be uh, the bigger kid on the field to kind of push the other kids around. So uh, flash forward, though, to my junior high school. So remember how I said I hated running? In, uh, in order to make varsity, it was like an unwritten rule that you had to attend the head varsity soccer coaches soccer camp, which was out in Maine. Uh, I didn't go to the previous year because I knew we were, you know, we were going to be up at 6 a.m. running before breakfast and running some more and, and some more and, uh, and playing a little soccer. So, uh, but despite that fear, I had a lot of friends that were going. So I went and about uh, three days in, I strained my right quadricep muscle doing some hill sprints uh yep i was uh, out for the rest of the camp i couldn't run uh, or participate um but little did i know that that strain would linger the entire season so it was a excruciating kick a soccer ball to my my right foot um and that is my dominant side so uh did i learn to kick with my left foot uh nope <laughs> i just played the whole season just slightly injured and as a result i didn't make the uh the varsity Team, but I was uh, able to be captain of the, the JV team and uh, an alternate on the varsity team. But uh, you know, back to my leg, you know, it really hurt. It was just some terrible pain every time I went to kick a ball. It was just awful. And uh, hurt to the point that I didn't know how long it was going to take to get better because, again, I went the entire season with it being in pain. So uh, after the season, I went to physical therapy. And uh, I kid you not, within two weeks, my quad felt 100% better. I was able to kick a ball. I was able to run without a little limp. It was 100% better. And this was one of those defining moments in my life where I said to myself, huh, I, uh, I, I'd like to help people get out of pain. This is really interesting. It really interested me how I could go from a point of pain to pain-free and continue to play sports and do things I wanted to do. So um, let's go back to, uh, to, to uh, eighth grade. Um, and this was a time in a, in a young teenage boy's life, uh, well, I guess for me at least, uh, where there's nothing more important than impressing girls. So, uh, so now I had, uh, you know, I had a little confidence around girls, to be honest with you. I was the guy who would go home after school, dial up the internet, pull up AOL Instant Messenger, and flirt with girls online. But then when I'd see them in person in school, I wouldn't look them in the eye. Uh, you know, as a matter of fact, I think I asked my first girlfriend out over AOL. Uh, instant messenger so you know i had some serious game back then uh but uh anyway i had a good friend who uh clearly moved up the puberty ladder a lot quicker than me and many of the other kids uh as well and you know this kid was jacked uh you know i remember asking him what he was doing and and literally like why he was so jacked and i think that's exactly how i probably said it like hey dude why are you so jacked and uh he told me his parents had a home gym in their house and uh, that he's been working out. And I like proceeded to invite myself over to his house to work out with him, of course. And, uh, you know, we did the whole dumbbell curl, lat pull down thing. And that was like my first experience working out. So 
I kind of went in a couple of directions. We talked about soccer injury. And then uh, this is like my first time working out. So just kind of taking you through the, the journey and steps of how I kind of got to into this whole fitness thing. So, but it wasn't until my like freshman year of high school when I decided to actually go to the actual gym. I, and I remember asking my parents to give me a membership to local YMCA for my birthday. And I'd go in, walk in the weight room, and it was like, so it was too crowded or too many older dudes lifting weights. I would, I'd go to the basketball court, shoot around, um, you know, going to the gym um, without friends or people I knew back then scared the crap out of me. But, you know, I kept going. And a few of my friends got memberships, and we'd go after school and weren't playing sports, um, you know, and, and that's, that's how that started happening. So, you know, funny story, freshman year of high school during winter sports season, my friend and, and I, who also hated running, he's a fellow Husky guy like me uh you know we went to the winter track tryout meeting our plan was to do shot put or javelin you know because there's no running in that so my plan uh was to play soccer in the fall track in the winter and baseball in the spring well after the short brief uh brief <laughs> from the from the coach he told us all to you know head outside and take a lap around the school complex now we went to Attleboro high school which is you know, 2,500 kids it's a huge complex there's a swimming pool there it's Probably like, I don't know, two miles around the whole the whole complex. I don't know, it might be exaggerating, maybe it's a mile, I don't know. But um, you know, my friend and I looked at each other and then we proceeded to just literally walk out and uh, and go home. So uh we weren't signing up for running. So and so anyway, um <laughs> the new plan was to go to the Y during the winter, not track. And uh that's what I did. Only a couple of my friends stayed dedicated to working out in the winter. But I you know, I kept with it again, not knowing anything about anything. I just thought you know, if you want big arms, do some bicep curls. And if you want to impress people, bench a lot of weight. Uh, I don't think I did a single squat until after I got out of college. Uh, so uh, let's flash forward again. Again, taking on a little journey here. After uh, my junior year of high school, uh, baseball was nominated co-captain of the team. I'm still working out. I'm getting stronger. Crushing those bicep curls in the summer, leaning into my senior year. I, uh, I hurt my elbow uh doing some stupid exercise at the gym and uh it really hurt to throw a baseball now so you know i thought oh no big deal they'll just go to physical therapy and it'll, and it'll be good in a couple of weeks um you know the difference is that you know uh, i went to physical therapy and it didn't get better and after several more weeks you know x-ray and mri later you know i found out i tore some cartilage on my my elbow and uh to fix it would require surgery so you know now we're like six weeks out from baseball tryouts and there's like no way I can get elbow surgery so I played and just like that my junior my junior year of uh high school sorry my senior year of high school every throw from center field uh hurt it was just not not good it was not fun didn't didn't feel very good so you know despite the pain I still played but you know playing in college probably wasn't going to happen now so uh but the bigger question was you know why was this not getting better like my leg did and, and that went from that to like you know, what am I doing in the gym? Like, why did I hurt myself? So when it came time to try to figure out what I was going to do in school, um, this is another defining moment that led me to, to major in exercise science and uh, concentrate in uh, sports medicine. Okay, so now you know why I got into the fitness field, but originally I wanted to get into physical therapy, right? So, you know, I wanted to help people fix their pain. Well, let's skip a few semesters to my junior year of college and you know, I took a strength and conditioning course and I absolutely loved it. Matter of fact, the professor owned a gym in the town where my school was, that was in Westfield. And you know, I applied to be a personal trainer uh, for her gym and I didn't have any credentials, but 
I guess I got the job. And uh, this is my first training job and I really enjoyed it. I remember asking her, you know, what was it like owning a gym? And this was like a 24 hour fitness type of gym. It wasn't like a CrossFit gym or like a, you know, just strength and conditioning gym. And I remember her saying, uh, don't do it. <laughs> uh, you know, I appreciate her putting that in my head. I obviously don't listen very well. So uh, after graduating uh, with my degree, I knew I wanted to get into the personal training field. I had some experience. I had my had my degree. I had some certifications. You know, I'm good to go. But I really had no plan. I kind of just winged it. I guess again, I'm a you know, fly by the seat of your pants type of guy. So I uh, I applied to be a personal trainer at Boston Sports Club in Westboro in 2010, uh, and I went in highly confident. Probably more ignorance, to be honest with you. Uh, but I was also highly motivated, and I really wanted to make a name for myself. And again, back to a big motivation for me is, uh, is success. And I wanted to be successful. I wanted to be the best. So I remember the first few weeks and how exciting it was. I loved it. You know, I would, I would wake up at 3.30 in the morning to drive from Attleboro. Um, and I, this is where I'm from. So I was still living at home for about three months before I moved out on my own after I graduated college uh, to Westboro to open up the gym at, at 5 a.m. But, uh, you know, honestly, I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, you know, in, in, at Boston Sports Club, it was a corporate fitness. So, you know, you start on the floor, you're making like minimum wage, and uh, you had to develop your own book of clients. So, like, how do you do that? You know, there's very little leadership or guidance and help outside of a couple corporate sessions you had to take, uh, you know, for you know, as a trainer. So, you know, more specifically, there really was no career roadmap. Like, what do you want to do? Like, how much money do you want to make? How many hours do you want to work? None of that type of guidance. And you know, I knew that I had student loans coming up that I had to pay off and that I needed to make a living doing this, but I never felt I was chasing money. I just wanted to be the best trainer there. I wanted to do the most and um, I, I wanted to be there the most and I wanted to know the most. Um, that competitiveness that I had in my athletic career was, was coming out in, in my fitness career. So looking back, I spent a lot of extra time doing the little extra things that set myself apart to get me to where I wanted to be in a short amount of time. So like in football practice or in soccer camp, there was the same feeling of fear and anxiety to introduce myself to people. You know, you had to kind of sell your services to people who you thought needed it or that, um, that, that wanted it. Right. So um, most of the, most of the people though, didn't know that they needed the help. It was like me when I was in high school working out. You know, but within six months, I moved up from a floor trainer to a master trainer at Boston Sports Club. Uh, I was the youngest master trainer in Town Sport International History, which is the holding company where Boston, Philly, New York, and Washington sports clubs kind of fall under. Um, I was the highest grossing trainer in Westboro and one of the highest in the entire company. And within 12 months, the Westboro location was the highest grossing PT department in the company with only five master trainers. We kind of develop this this culture um, there but it, it was it was very short-lived uh, but but let me tell you ignorance can be bliss I had no idea the work and time that had to go into what I wanted I thought I knew everything or at least enough to you know but the doing skills didn't prepare me for enough of, for the real world right so um Let's talk CrossFit now a little bit. I want to. This is, this is another defining moment in in my life. So about three months 
in at BSC, the general manager and the assistant general manager were doing these workouts daily that totally confused me and blew my mind at the same time. Remember, I went to college for exercise science and what they were doing defined a lot of the traditional training practices that I thought I knew. So one day I asked them, like, what are you guys doing? And they said they were doing the CrossFit daily wad. Now, I heard about CrossFit when I was in college, but I knew very little about it. Thought it was for like football players and power athletes, to be honest with you. So I asked a few more questions, trying to get an understanding for what they were doing. And basically, they just did what the CrossFit daily wad app told them to do each day. Um, so if you're familiar or if you've been around CrossFit long enough, there used to be an app that would just tell you what CrossFit main site workout every day was, and they would just like pop up. So every day was different. Um, sometimes you lift weight, sometimes you run, sometimes you do circuits. It was completely varied and it seemed very random. Uh, but they asked me if I wanted to do a workout with them. And, you know, I think it was probably a little bit of a hazing tactic, but, uh, to be honest with you, I, I wanted to do it. So I was like, sure. Let's, let's work out. Let's see what this is all about. And the, uh, the workout was called Fight Gone Bad. But we changed it up a little bit due to a lack of equipment. And But uh, Fight Gone Bad is like a five-minute running clock of five exercises, one-minute max reps of each exercise. Then you rest one minute after each five-minute round. You repeat that for three cycles. Um, the movements are box jumps, wall ball shots, sumo deadlifts, high pulls, rowing for calories, and, and push press. And we subbed a uh, battle rope in for, for rowing. So needless to say, the workout is no joke. Uh, it was hard. It was grueling. But it was fun. And uh, I was in the arena with my two bosses working out, joking around, being competitive. I absolutely loved it. I also beat them on the workout. So that made me, that made me feel pretty good. Uh, and after that workout, I was, I was hooked. I couldn't get enough of CrossFit. I learned everything I could about CrossFit what it was, the methodology, the science behind it, everything. And uh, I'm very grateful uh, that YouTube was around then, by the way, because I watched a lot of uh, CrossFit athlete videos. I remember watching some Chris Spieler videos and and uh, and all those OG CrossFitters. So, uh, you know, from there, I c committed myself to practicing, improving my skills within this new method of training. And, and like I said, I was hooked. Uh, you know, I wanted to master the complex Olympic lifts, improve my powerlifting, learn how to do double unders, Fundamental gymnastics movements like handstand holes, toes to bar, muscle ups. Um, the good thing was that not only was our GM and uh, AGM doing CrossFit, our newest fitness manager, Mr. Brian Zanzowitz, had his CrossFit level one. I think he got level one certified in like 2008 or something or 2009. You know, so I, I had a lot of people to learn from and it was amazing. So this all happened around 2010, 2011. And it wasn't until summer, fall 2011 when I experienced another defining moment in my life. And uh, I talked about how I thought I knew everything was fitness. Well, that wasn't true. Uh, and I didn't know anything about business, sales, networking. You know, I was just a kid along for the ride. So I was introduced and invited to uh, create a local networking group. Uh, you know, it was another trainer at BSC who was uh, much more experienced than, than me, gave me some insight and advice that as a trainer, you need to expand your network to other professionals that work in proximity to your space. So, you know, network networking group uh, included like a physical therapist, uh, shout out to Jesse Demick, a chiropractor, shout out to Dr. Dan, uh, but also uh, a local restaurateur, shout out to Jay Chung, uh, real estate agent, financial advisors. Um, you know, I'll spare you the details and shenanigans of the networking group, but there were a few big takeaways in this for me. 
Um, number one, uh, I created a lot of valuable lifelong relationships with almost everyone in this group. Number two, there, this was very much outside my comfort zone and challenged me to grow. And number three, my first business partner in business spawned from this group. So several months later, I began uh, talking more with one of the, one of the uh, members of this networking group and uh, you know, we hit it off. He and I became really close as if he was like an older brother to me and I was a younger brother to him. And uh, he's a very successful guy, highly intelligent. And I have to say, I was incredibly um, impressed and almost smitten by his, uh, his demeanor. And, you know, one of my core values is knowledge and wisdom. And I felt I could learn a lot from this guy. He seemed to have, you know, all the answers. So without really knowing what I was doing, a few months later on a ride home from a little MMA sparring session, and I can tell you about those stories another time, uh, you know, I pitched to him my idea of opening up a fitness facility that tied both our passions together. And uh, he was into martial arts and MMA, and, you know, I was really into CrossFit. So, you know, we, we brought Brian Zanzowitz into this. Remember, he's the fitness manager. I learned all the, uh, the CrossFit from. And, uh, you know, a bunch of meetings and work later, we opened up our gym in September 2012, uh, CrossFit Prototype, Prototype Training Systems. Um, you know, there's a lot of details and side stories I could talk about here, but you know, I'll save that for uh, for another time. So, uh, you know, let me just, let me break this down for you. I'm like 23, 24 years old. I'm, you know, I'm doing well as a trainer, but I, I wanted more, right? Remember how ignorance is bliss sometimes when I just said that? So, you know, well, it was uh, it was weird. I had uh, no fear of starting Prototype. I was 100% confident that it was going to be successful. I knew how to coach people. I knew how to train people. I knew how to program and create training plans. I knew how I wanted my CrossFit gym to be different than the traditional CrossFit gym. And I made a, a lot of bold and fast decisions and looking back on it, I'm really proud of some of those decisions that I made. You know, on the other side, I had no idea how to run a business, let alone manage and lead staff. Uh, you know, the gym started off as Brian, Brian and I did all the coaching and training. You know, we moved all of our PT clients that we, that we brought over from BSC um to prototype and told them that crossfit and group classes were better than better than pt that they were doing which is completely wrong uh we were just so passionate about crossfit and uh we weren't necessarily giving them the best prescription but uh you know i made so many mistakes it took me so long to trust anyone else besides brian and myself to coach anyone you know i coddled a lot uh, i didn't want our coaches to make mistakes or fail i held a lot of the burden and stress of both working in the business like the coaching and training and operating the business, uh, you know, and learning uh, as I went, I held that all on me. So, you know, fortunately, you know, we hired help from Chris Cooper, um, who is uh, just an amazing individual. Before we opened the doors to, to give us advice, Chris owned, has owned an affiliate since 2000, late 2000s, and he uh, wrote for the CrossFit Journal. And at the time, uh, you know, he was part of this company that did like gym business mentoring. Um, it was called 321 Go Project, and he was just the perfect guide for us. Um, you know, but I still wasn't the leader I knew I needed to be. Um, but that all changed when I was, you know, forced to grow. So kind of flashing forward a few years around 2016, I started working in other businesses with my now former business partner. I remember the, the guy from the networking group? Uh, you know, he saw I had uh, been successful with prototype and getting it to where it was to that date. So why not do all that in other businesses and industries, right? You, know, you can you can sell stuff. You understand social media and marketing. You can operate. You're organized. You got this, right? 
Yeah. Uh, you know, the imposter syndrome was a hat. I was wearing a giant green one. And, you know, I was, I was thrown into having to lead or try to lead multiple people who were responsible for operating and growing various businesses. I had to bring my insight and, you know, in my opinion, little experience into these organizations and try to, to bring, bring up the results. And uh, they're, you know, the martial arts business, you know, remember how you know, Prototype originally started, uh, you know, financial advisory practice and you know, exotic car rental company, which is pretty cool, right? Um, you know, but it was, you know, it was a lot of work and, you know, I, I couldn't work in the business of Prototype as much as I once was. I had to do better working on the business and it really forced me to start leading a little bit more. And after time and some success, you know, the next venture I got involved in, you know, which at the time was controversial, maybe it still is, is the uh, legal cannabis industry here in Massachusetts. And my task and role is to help raise raise money for this vertically integrated cannabis company. And, you know, they needed a lot of it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, uh, I've never done that before, but uh, I was like, all right, let's give this a shot. And, you know, in a matter of a couple of years, my, my world went from shorts and t-shirts training people to wearing button-ups and sport jackets, you know, going to high-end networking events and flying out to family office conferences, which, uh, you know, family offices, it's just basically a, a, an office that manages ultra, ultra wealthy people's money. Um, you know, like Bob Kraft, Robert Kraft has a family office. Um, but anyway, you know, you can say imposter syndrome, uh, again, but maybe 10x, <laughs> uh, wholly uncomfortable. Imagine trying to talk to someone when you feel like you have no idea what you're talking about. That's like, was my life. So, you know, in 2018, you know, I earned uh, you know, a partnership in this holding company where all these businesses um, I was helping operate were housed. Um, and if I learned one thing from this brief two-year journey at this point, I understood the value of equity versus just a paycheck. So, yeah, it was hard and it was growth, but it wasn't necessarily the growth that I needed to level up um, to where I wanted to be. And I wasn't passionate about what I was doing and I wasn't being the leader I wanted to be. Um, was it checking off the box of success for me? Yeah. Uh, however, I wasn't waking up excited and how that feeling I had when I opened up prototype or, you know, when I would wake up at 3.30 to start going to BSC, you know, as a matter of fact, I was, I was burning out and I was burning out fast. To be candid, I was getting pretty miserable. And in addition, you know, my business partnership relationship just, just changed. Um, you know, I didn't feel I was a partner. I felt like I wasn't part of a team and I felt like I was still a little brother. And, you know, there was very much, um, uh, there was very much a lack of, good, effective leadership, my opinion, um, or at least a level of leadership that I, that I felt helped people thrive. And the defining moment that came out of this was when I made another big decision, and that was to part ways, you know, with my now former business partner. Um, talk about a series of difficult conversations, unavoidable conversations. I couldn't skip these like I tried doing with my football practices when I was a kid. And, you know, this, and this picture was throwing its fastest. So, you know, in the end, I got what I wanted, um, and that was my gym, plus a little bit more, and that was finalized the end of 2019. And, uh, you know, putting all that drama stress aside, I had really big eyes for 2020. You know, I'm in by myself. I'm in control. I've learned a lot in these past few years, and now I can dedicate my focus to my passion. And then COVID-19 hit. 
And this was another defining moment for me. This is, as they say, where the rubber meets the road. You know, I realize I'm, I'm all alone. All the decision-making leadership is on me. I have to step up and be the better leader that I want it to be to weather the storm and continue to pursue our mission. I, mean, I remember the day we decided to close the physical gym doors. It was uh, about a week before the state mandate. So, you know, some thought it wasn't the right move, but it was the first of many decisions I had to make. You know, I remember driving home, parking my car, turning off the engine, sitting there for a minute. You, you might think this is strange, but I had a conversation with myself, and I remember saying to myself, "You are ready to lead." You know, and as David Goggins would say, "Roger that." So uh, from there, we pivoted to a virtual model. You know, we created a ton of content and resources for our clients, community. We sent out daily email, the daily home workout of people, you know, wouldn't make it the virtual class. We put all the classes on demand. You know, we divided our membership amongst coaches to help, you know, manage the communication and accountability. We created virtual coaching and programming options. We held virtual events, seminars, challenges, competitions, game nights. We even had a virtual holiday party. You know, we then created a COVID-19 advisory board to help us with the decision-making of the state mandates, which changed almost every single day. And as these phases were uh, rolled out, you know, we outfitted the gym to make it safe. We spent thousands of dollars to improve the space. We added new staff to the team. You know, we communicated, we stayed true to our values and we led. And I can confidently say that I led. You know, we finished off with a record quarter in at the end of 2019, in a strong in a strong 2020, you know, we grew close to 10% in 2020, while 20 to 30% of gyms closed, and many had more than 50% uh, loss in revenue. You know, we were fortunate to win the Two Brain Businesses 2020 Gym of the Year Award. Remember Chris Cooper? Yeah, that's his business now. And uh, you know, I couldn't have been more proud or honored to uh, to win that. Uh, not just for myself, but for the team and, and the community at Prototype. But, but man, that imposter syndrome hat grew back on my head. I thought, do we really deserve this? Like, there are a thousand gyms in the running. Like, how did we win? You know, so many others went through these challenging times and came out strong as well. You know, then we, then we won it again in 2021. And, uh, you know, I was you know, able to celebrate that success a, a bit more for sure. But, uh, you know, one thing I've learned just in the, the past few months is that there are times when you need to press on different levers. And, you know, Charlie Kim of Next Jump um, talks about peacetime and wartime in business. And, and 2020 was wartime. We had to focus on saving our business, our products, and our strategy. However, 2020 ended and 2020 emerged. Things started to come back to some level of normalcy. You know, this would, this would be referred to as like the peacetime. You know, peacetime is where the business isn't materially changing too much. And, you know, you need to you need to press on a different lever, a lever and that lever is, uh, is people development. So around December 2020, I, I reached out to one of my personal mentors, uh, and that is Brent French. Maybe some of you who are listening know him. And you know, I asked him for some guidance, and I told him that I, I wanted to focus on myself and my personal development and needed to tackle this recurring theme of imposter syndrome. I, and I needed to improve my emotional intelligence. Uh, I needed to get better at being less reactive, you know, and, the goal is to be a be a better leader. And you know, he, he then told me how he was taking this weekly class called Leadership in Practice, led by Charlie Kim uh, and Megan Messenger, who are the co-CEOs of Next Jump. Remember, I was just mentioning Charlie. And uh, they started running this class through their um, 
online community called Community Online Academy, which started in 2020 as a result of COVID-19. Now, you know, I'm familiar with NextJump because back in 2015, 2016, Brent invited me to take a tour of their Boston campus with his graduate class. And NextJump is a, is a $2 billion e-commerce company with offices in Boston, New York, and London. I think they have some satellite offices out in uh, the West Coast as well. But the interesting thing about them is that they are a deliberately developmental organization, or DDO for short. Um, they're invested in the development of their people, leaders, and making better decision makers. More importantly, creating a social change by improving workplace culture, and that is their mission. So, you know, since then, I've been investing in myself and investing in our team more than ever. I've attended and have rarely missed their leadership and practice sessions on Thursdays. In addition, I was invited to participate in a couple of small group leadership training classes, and I've put this into uh, to play a prototype with our own small group. You know, my focus on applying my leadership is going directly into actionable practice, not only at prototype, but also with the launch of Empowered RX uh, with Coach Leah, which I am so excited about. And, uh, you know, what I do know is that six to seven months ago, I wouldn't have shared this story with all of you. And I've learned a lot about vulnerability, truth, leadership, uh, the importance of investing in yourself, the importance of reflection and truly appreciating things. The, you know, I've learned why we can't stop learning. I've learned how important it is to have mentors and people you trust to challenge your thinking. And I've learned that if you if you um, if you want to have a bigger impact, that you can. And I've learned that over the years that getting uncomfortable really helps you grow. And I've learned that. Fear drives our behavior and can drive our decision-making, but you can conquer your fears with deliberate practice. And I've learned that not everything comes at once. And uh, the biggest learning I've had is that I have a lot more to learn. So I appreciate you listening to this story, listening to my story to this point. Um, there are a lot of people I didn't mention by name in this for personal reasons. Uh, there are a lot of people like my brother, John, for example, they didn't talk about because uh, he has his own awesome story. And they didn't talk about all the mistakes I made. I didn't take a, talk about all the bad decisions I made. Uh, I didn't talk about everything, but I'm an open book, and I'd love to hear from anyone that would like to talk or have questions. So, again, I appreciate you all listening to this week's uh, community conversation. Again, it's just me, Mike Collette. And again, I, I uh, appreciate you all listening, and I uh, am looking forward to having our next guest on next week. Remember, community conversation, get your week started every Monday, and uh, I promise to have a, a new guest next week. So thank you all for listening in, and I hope you enjoyed it.